Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 140, Shane's Change Story, how 20 years of PTSD revealed his true identity. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. My guest in today's episode is Shane Flanagan. Shane is a former law enforcement agent. Uh, he's, I'll just tell you everything I know about Shane. He's Canadian. He lives by Niagara Falls. He um, looks like Santa Claus and he often dresses up as Santa Claus and that's one of the roles he likes to play at certain times of the year. Um, what I also know about Shane from our conversation is that he struggled with PTSD for 20 years. He did everything he could see to free himself. Some of it very hard, some of it less hard, all of it helpful in certain ways. But recently he fell back into another episode of anxiety and deep depression. And at that time, and this was just several months ago, it was not a long time ago, he was introduced to the new paradigm and the principles. And um, it's pretty awesome what's happened since then. <laughs> so since then, Shane has seen a lot. Uh, he's seen just how small his former uh, cope, coping attempts made his life. So he was told by a therapist, you know, like, okay, this memory is kind of diffused. This traumatic memory is kind of diffused because you've replayed it and relived it 100,000 times in therapy, but you can't ever be a police officer again. You can never put on a uniform or you'll be re-traumatizing yourself. And, you know, there are a lot of things like that. And if a therapist doesn't tell us that, we might tell ourselves that. Our own mind might say things like that. It's so innocent. It's it's well-meaning. But as Shane's head opened up and exploded in, in the best possible way, his life is opened up too. He's saying, no, I don't have to cut out certain things out of my life and only do certain things and avoid all of these things. That's not freedom. And I love, as you listen to Shane's story, you'll hear how he was doing the best that he could see to do each way through and everything he's come across has just opened his life bigger and bigger and really pointed him back much more deeply to who he really is. So he talks about all of these identities that he created along the way to kind of feel okay about himself. And that's exactly what a mind does. But now he's seeing all of those identities in a really different way. And I just know you'll love, love this conversation. He's a, he's a joyful person, which is amazing to see and to hear. You'll hear it come through. He's joyful given how he felt not long ago. And I think that just says so much about what joy is and where joy comes from, because there's no way that he could have uh, worked his way there or somehow manufactured the joy that I saw in him and heard in him while we talked uh, in such a short period of time. It has to be that it's been there all along. So enjoy this conversation with Shane. Hi, Shane. Thank you so much for being a guest on Changeable. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I know a little bit about your story and I love it. I'm excited to get to share it with people. Thank you so much. So am I. Yeah. So, um, so 
I'll just summarize that you you had a lot of years where PTSD or something like it kind of dominated your life, the anxiety to the depression, the stuff that comes with that. Um, You've seen a lot and done a lot along the way. And recently, things look really different. So, um, So I'm excited to share all that. So maybe tell us a little bit about how kind of your early career and how the PTSD began for you. Absolutely. Um, You know, I I grew up as a child always wanting to uh, be a policeman and join in law enforcement. And I was given the opportunity to experience my dream. And uh, I was so happy. I was in my life's work, or so I thought. What happened, however, was that I encountered after 20 years of being in law enforcement in the public and private sectors, I encountered uh, a lot of people over the years that I had to arrest, as you can imagine, and so forth. Um, but the real, the real interesting thing is I, uh, I met a guy in my career that changed my life and the trajectory of where I thought I was going. And that came in the form of a very violent situation where I had to arrest uh, a guy in the middle of the night. And it was the most violent encounter that I had ever had in my career and left, as I know now, uh, an incredible impact on me psychologically. And I uh, I was soon exhibiting symptoms. And I didn't know what these symptoms were, but I knew something was wrong. And I was getting, uh, I was full of anger. I was crying. I was depressed uh, after that night, after fighting with this guy and arresting him. And I began to have hallucinations, both auditory and visual hallucinations. Uh, My wife had suggested that I go see a doctor. Because I was acting out of sorts, and I knew that little voice inside me that tells me you're acting out of sorts was talking to me every day, nice and loud, saying, you're really off. Yeah. So uh, I, I went off to the doctor, not knowing what to expect. He says, tell me why you're here. So I told him, and he said, my goodness, he says, you have PTSD. Now, I associated that with only military folks. Yeah. And back in in that time, PTSD, at least here in Canada, which is where I'm from, um, wasn't recognized. It was it was kind of like just coming. The, the the word PTSD was out there, but uh, our you know our psychologists, psychiatrists, and so forth, they weren't having anything about it. Yeah. Um, but this doctor said, yeah, you clearly have that, and he sent me on my way with a bottle of uh, lorazepam pills and uh, and off I went um, he told me I'll wait I would probably wait for two years before I got in to see anybody wow did yeah. the, did the pills alone help at all um, they did initially yeah. uh, anybody that's not familiar with lorazepam um, it's an anxiety when you experience anxiety which is a byproduct of PTSD um, extreme anxiety you're always on heightened alert you pop one of these little white babies in your mouth and uh, it's supposed to take you down, take down the flame 
of that anxiety. And it worked for a while, like I said. Um, However, I became dependent on them. And they became, you know, these little white lorazepam pills became my life saving moment. Yeah. Um, so really it was, uh, it, you know, it, it was a rough, rough time. And knowing that I had to wait, as I was told, two years, I couldn't do that. So I went privately and I paid out of pocket privately to see a psychotherapist. And I worked with her. And this was, again, in the early days of, of treatments. Um, and she had worked with me on something called EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's, it's, it was cutting edge back in its day. And it really helped. There was a n- little bit of extra medication added by a psychiatrist who was also part of my personal health team at the time. But this EMDR, I will tell you, saved my life back in those days. Mm-hmm. And off I went to live my life after many years of, of therapy and of working on myself. Mm-hmm. Off I went to live my life. I'm curious if I can just uh, ask this question. When the... When the um... EMDR helped. Did you have a sense of how or why it was helping? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you understood. She told you a little about how the therapy works and stuff, but did you, yeah, like, how was that for you? Was it just that your hallucinations and your memories and anxiety and stuff, um, did they still show up, but they looked safer and different? Was it that they didn't show up anymore? Like, what what was that kind of like? Um, it, it was it was uh, it was interesting because um, uh, as we talk about it and as I look back on it, um, it, it I understood it. She explained it in very clinical terms, but then in layman's terms after that to me about what was happening with the EMDR. And so I was I was very conscious. But what we had to do was go back and relive experiences, traumatic experiences, uh, and the fight with that guy. Yeah. Um, and relive it until it became uh, a very neutral subject to my mind, where I wasn't crying, I wasn't screaming, I wasn't getting upset. Uh, it totally eliminated and made me feel numb. It, it was like getting uh, uh, an injection uh, of anesthesia. And it made me, in my head, numb to any kind of pressures daily yeah. that would happen. So that that was, uh, and I thought that was the end of the story. But she told me something before I left her office, something that devastated me. She said, you can never go back into the world that you love, back to that job. Because what will happen is, as soon as you put on the uniform, the body doesn't know it's not in a fight anymore. And so every time you, wanna, you would go out on patrol, your body will react internally which will then activate your thoughts into a real dark place. Mm-hmm. She said, so you, you can't go back. Wow. Yeah. So unless you want to show up and relive every traumatic thing forever, <laughs> it's kind of like you had to just avoid all of that. That's right. 
Yeah. And, and, and now who am I? Because the uniform that we wore, as any policeman or, or emergency services person will tell you, that when you wear the uniform for the amount of years I wore it, it becomes you. Mm-hmm. It becomes your identity. Yeah. It becomes who you are and what you believe in. And now I didn't have that uniform to wear anymore. It was taken from me. Yeah. And it was your and childhood dream. You, that's all you ever dream. wanted to do. Yeah. It was, it was. I had no other goals. My mother tried to get me to do anything else. Uh, when I was younger, she said, you know, it, it's an incredible uh, task you're trying to accomplish getting on the police department, son, but I think you should go and do something else because it requires uh, a great amount of thinking to be a police officer. And I grew up with uh, dyslexia as a child. So she was kind of, I think she was trying to save me from myself, uh, <laughs> but I wasn't having anything about it. I, I said, no, mom, I want to do what I want to do. And I want to be a policeman. And that's all there is to it. Hmm. So when that's taken away, I'm in this void. Yeah. And I'm sitting on my couch and we had a, we had a, a little security firm in the final days, this was in the private sector, and I had to close it down um, because it involved going out on patrol and being and teaching people about policing and this sort of thing. And uh, and I no longer knew I I knew I couldn't go back there, but I no longer felt safe there. Yeah, I no longer felt safe there. Um, I had no idea who I was. And so I began to build a new identity. And that kind of takes us onto my path, my spiritual path of healing. So we end off the EMDR. And I, I, my friend says to me, there's this shaman that lives in Canada and she lives way out in the wilderness. And anybody who's familiar with what a shaman is, it's the medicine man or woman of, of the indigenous culture and the one that you would go to to help you with your problems. And so I thought, great, I need more help. <laughs> so off I went. I'm not a backwoods kind of guy. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable sitting on my couch watching TV and, and watching <laughs> other people. Uh, go out in the wilderness and talk about their experiences. Uh, I went out, visited with the shaman, spent two years studying with her. Two years studying with her. And it was at first a hard sell because shamanism asks you to believe in a universal force that is beyond yourself. That's working outside of you for your own good yeah and and for somebody coming from the policing field it's a little hard to swallow that we're talking to spirits <laughs> but after i got a sense of it i and, and i i started to work with this and allow myself to open i'd be i i, I would i came home and I had all these stories i remember it was thanksgiving and I, and I had all these stories about talking with spirits, with the shaman in the wilderness. And my first little boy laughed. Then my second little boy laughed. I got four boys. <laughs> and then my wife began to laugh because I told my wife something she'd never heard before. 
and that is rocks and trees can talk. <laughs> they have spirits within them, yeah. and they can talk. She said, you've lost your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine, after all the craziness yeah. of P- being diagnosed with PTSD and going through all that, uh, the cutting-edge treatments, going to a shamanic teacher, and having her teach me that rocks and trees talk, my wife thought I'd absolutely misunderstood the concept <laughs> and lost my mind. And I said, no, that's that's the truth. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay, well, you go ahead and have fun with that. And and I'm glad you're getting better. And, and so uh, I thought I was getting better as well. And so that ended up uh, really um, influencing. And I began teaching others about shamanism it influenced my daily life i began to teach it i came back with a wealth of knowledge that's with me to this day um i remember feeling a little bit off one day and it, about six years had gone by after i finished the emdr training or i'm sorry not training the emdr where i was the client Mm-hmm. And about six years went by, and I remember I remember standing in front of a university classroom of future therapists and telling them that I was cured. That's the end of my story. I'm cured. And, and they all clapped, and I left. And I felt good because I felt cured. Mm-hmm. But a week went by, and all of a sudden, the... I started to feel the old feelings again. The detrimental stress, suicidal thoughts, I had it all. I had it all. And I and it hit me like a brick, like somebody clubbed me over the head with a baseball bat. And I realized something that I didn't feel cured. And realized that that was my words. Yeah. She didn't tell me I was cured. But I felt like I had I had been cured, and and so I stopped going. What did that mean to you? Like at that time, if you can remember, you you felt like, oh, I'm cured. Like, did that mean in your mind that you wouldn't have any of those thoughts or feelings again, or yeah. did it mean that's what it meant to you? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're spot on. You're so spot then they on. then they come in. <laughs> they come back. Yeah, yeah through the back because, door. Because you're human and, you know, thoughts and feelings come back. And then, man, I can, I can feel what a, what a knock to the head that would be, you know, like, wait a minute. I just said I'm cured. This isn't supposed to be showing up. Yeah. It, 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 it was, it was a real punch in the stomach. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I phoned up the same therapist and I told her what was happening. And she said to me something that I'll never forget. Something she had never said before to me. She said, there is no cure for what you have. And these feelings will come up and you will have to live your life in such a way that you don't get, you, you don't walk into triggered situations, situations that'll cause bad memories yeah. and trigger you to be angry and sad and all these things. You have to be hypervigilant uh, not that I wasn't already. Um, you have to be hyper vigilant uh, where you go and what you involve yourself in yeah. um, on a daily basis. 
It's I so striking. Yeah, it's so sorry. It's so striking though how, um, and I hope no one hears like a, again, I know you know, Shane, like we all just do the best we can see to do. You were doing that. For some people, like, you know, medication is the best thing in the moment for like, there's no judgment on anything that feels helpful. But it's interesting when you talk about that um, and the medication, how how they just made your life small. Like they had benefits, but it's, but that pill, yeah, it took the edge off, but then you needed the pill. And, you know, the EMDR, yeah, it took the edge off the feelings, but you can't go anywhere else, you know? It just, you can feel the shrinking yes. of all that. Yeah. And, and And in my ear, I've got my wife saying, I know you're sick, but we're drowning in debt. And my wife was working a fat, three jobs at the time while I was sick and taking care of my four boys yeah, at, as wow. babies. She would work a midnight shift. And I, I just never thought to, I never thought to help. I never thought, it didn't occur to me that she needed help. Isn't that something? Yeah. It didn't occur to me that I should be helping. So I sat on the couch some more and thought, who am I? And so I began to build social masks of who I was or who I thought I was at the time, trying to grasp onto some reality that made sense, and none of it did. So I went back to the therapist and started. And this time, she says, we're going to do something a little different, and we used another technique. And that technique um, we started required me to go right back to the beginning of of the traumas in my life Mm -hmm. and relive them just the way I had done through EMDR, just with something new that's come out. (laughs) I felt worse than ever. And I fell into a deep depression, a suicidal depression. This would be four months ago deep suicidal depression and I didn't know that I was going to make it I didn't know where to turn the psychiatrist piled on more drugs more it wasn't lorazepam now now she says I want you to take Seroquel and something and, and all these myriad of other medications and, and you know there must have been 19 or 20 medications that i was taking at at one time yeah. uh, and this was happening every day wow. and yet the all the medications coupled with the work that i was doing with the therapist i i i still couldn't drag myself out of this second bout of the feelings that I was feeling, the second boat of PTSD, as I like to call it, that had come out of nowhere, that I never thought I'd see again, that I didn't want to see again. And the medication was helping, but I still didn't know who I was waking up to. Now, the interesting thing is what happened on that shamanism course that I was telling you about, that I went and studied with the shaman in the forest, in the wilderness, is there was another woman I met there in the wilderness. And we became friends. Her name is Laura. And Laura 
and I lost touch after the shamanism. After we were out in the woods, we lost touch for about 20 years while everything else was going on in my life. When I reconnected with her, um, there's a world pandemic going on. And I just reached out to her on Facebook, just say, hi, how are you? I haven't talked to you in 20 years. And I said, so what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm a life coach. Now, I didn't, I've seen psychiatrists, I've seen doctors of all sorts. Life coach here in Canada isn't even on the radar screen. You know, really, you're, you're, you're a snake oil salesman. Uh, you know, that's, they're looking at life coaching, or at least they did here in Canada. Um, it, was, it was looked at as the same as PTSD when it first came out. You know, life coaches are great, but you should see a real doctor or a real therapist. Or, or on, you were talking to rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Absolutely. You're talking to rocks and trees and a life coach, but no, I hear you. I know, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura said to me, she said, I, I, I said, that sounds uh, interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more? And she began to tell me a little bit more. And it was about thinking. She started to talk to me about thinking and how it affects the body when you think. And if you believe what you're thinking from an outside perspective coming in, that you're the victim living in the movie. And that's not the way she said it is. What you're seeing is truly a movie that you're making up your your mind your thinking is creating a movie constantly she said well i was hooked with these <laughs> words and she said it's all an illusion well that went along with shamanism shamanism says the same thing yeah. but i didn't hear it i didn't hear that message I, because i was too sick to hear it back in the shamanism day yeah with all the work I had done on myself over 20 years and all the medications, this made sense to me, what she was saying. I said, I want to learn more. And she said, okay, great. I'll take you on this journey, but I'm going to ask you to be open to what I'm saying. And I said, sure. She did in three to four sessions, she alleviated all, all of my symptoms of PTSD, suicidal thoughts and tendencies. I pulled myself up out of that dark hole and I was alive. I felt alive. And she had done And and I don't say this in a negative way. It's just the way things are for me. It had done for me this life coaching and this awareness of your thoughts and what what you're thinking. She did for me in three to four sessions what 20 years of medications and therapy could not do, in my opinion, uh, in in that short amount of time. I didn't have to go back and relive anything. I simply had to look forward to the moment today Mm -hmm. and live 
and understand right now. And so all the the identities that I I built the social masking because I felt ashamed of who I was with PTSD. All that social masking fell away. And I remember that what I can only describe as glimmers of myself. She said, who, who are you? Who do you believe you are? And I said, I have no idea who the real Shane Flanagan is. I have no idea because he's hidden under so many layers of thought. <laughs> and she said, I see him and he's beautiful. He's intelligent. And he's, he's, he's one big great heart emoji. <laughs> he's beautiful and he's loved. Now, I was taken back. I literally sat back in my chair. We're doing this over Zoom. I sat back in my chair and the words that she said to me melted away the ice of all the other social masks. And every day we'd meet, or every week that we would meet, her and I, Laura, uh, she would say and something similar. I see you. It was that time that I began to see the glimmers of myself that I hadn't seen in so long. And that, that was beautiful. I, I was happy to be home again in within my own heart. And so I said to my wife, I, I remember saying to her, what I what I've been told sorry it's just my dogs that's okay <laughs> what I've been told they love it when I'm when we're talking um, <laughs> what I've been told is that my thoughts aren't real that I'm living in an illusionary state believing in everything that's being thrown at me I truly believe that I'm in a dire consequence I believe I'm my diagnosis a person with PTSD and mental illness. I believed, and I, I was taught that I didn't have to believe that I was sick. Laura said, those are, those are labels. And I said to my wife, you know, I have to dive into this. This is amazing. The reality, this new reality, this new paradigm shift. And she said, is this just another thing? Like, are you, are you just taking another form of a pill to make you feel good? I said, no. I said, because what I feel and what I think I've seen through feeling so good, I said, I feel like I've seen, and I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. Um, but I use the word God. I said, I, I feel like I've seen God. And he's seen me. And this energy and this flow of life, the energetic flow of life, I've seen it. It lasted, the whole vision lasted a second, and it was gone. And I learned that was the first taste of what freedom from your thinking and what you, what you think is going on. 
it was my first taste of of seeing how true that was yeah. not how true that wasn't in other words really I saw feeling that, beyond all that wow absolutely yeah. absolutely there's 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 a movie playing and this movie was telling me I was sick and and I was thinking myself in to death and and so I engaged and began to learn this new awareness, this new flow of life. And I continued with Laura. And I continue with Laura to this day. She's my first life coach. I'd never been to one. Now, I said to my uh, psychiatrist recently, I said, have you ever seen anyone turn corner like this? She said, yes. And she said, I haven't. She said, and good for you. And keep going. And she said, and we can start now to take you off some of the medications, you know, those 19 medications. We can start to take some away slowly and wean you off of them. And that, that was amazing to me. Yeah. That was amazing. She goes, keep going. I thought she'd be critical of this right. life coach. But she actually held the life coach in high respect. So I let my traditional therapist go. And I thanked her for everything she had done for me. Yeah. Because without her, I, I, I truly don't believe I would be here today talking to you. But I let her go because there's, I, I found this incredible life force awareness and working with Laura, I achieved so much more that didn't require my tears. Yeah. It didn't require pain in thought, in spirit. It didn't require me to, to relive what I didn't want to really relive. That's such a huge uh, departure. You know, the, the main therapy that helped you was all about thinking about things that weren't happening in this moment, using your mind with well intentions, of course, but using yes. your mind to bring back all of that thought. And what you're talking about now is the complete opposite of that. I love how you said it. it's like, all I have to do, I don't know how you just said it exactly, but like, it's about being here now. It's about living in now, what's here right now. And right now, no matter what thought is floating around in your head, Right now, you are that big heart emoji. Yes. <laughs> you always are. Like, yeah. like it's That's a fresh right. start in this moment, you know? But it just strikes me what a huge difference that is from how you were getting help before. Like, oh, man, this would just completely shatter all of that and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, it, it, shattered, it shattered that ceiling, and that ceiling was pretty low. <laughs> Yeah, I felt I felt like I was laying on my stomach most of the time, so down flat <laughs> under that ceiling, it was crushing. Um, to have the relief, and believe me, I had no idea when Laura and I started when she started to show me these things and make me aware of the awareness of life and thoughts and and thought storms, thought storms. Yeah, I could go on all day about thought storms. I've got lots. <laughs> Yeah. And I, uh, I, but I realize now 
they're just illusions, really. They can come and go out of my mind, and I don't have to attach myself to it. I don't have to attach myself to that negativity if it feels negative. I don't have to do anything. It's just a thought storm. And I was reminded of this most recently when, and and I want to say that with all this happiness, all of a sudden, and I had heard, there will be bad days. This new thing, this new way to think, or this new way to believe that your thinking is not you, and that you can step step aside and let your thinking flow without being influenced by it. Um, it, it it was it was simply incredible, and. I was riding that wave. I was on the surfboard riding that wave. All 300 pounds of me was on a surfboard, and I was loving it. <laughs> I had my shirt off. I was out there in the waves of life, and I had a new lease on life. But all the while, I had heard, this does not mean you won't have bad days. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I was exempt from that. I thought, well, I'm going to be the exception <laughs> to that. And until I had a bad day. Yeah. Instinct, old instinct, was to go backwards and go, I'm broken. I'm a shade of broken. And I phoned up Laura. I said, I, I feel sick to my stomach, uh, this, that, the other thing. I, I, I don't feel well. And she, she just said, be curious about your thinking. Look at this as an outsider would look at this and see what you can see. Don't do anything about it. Just see what you can see. Be curious about how you feel. Hmm. I, I just, again, sat back in my chair and that was a whole new level of understanding. Yeah. And it just got deeper yeah. and deeper with every week that I was with her. Those bad days are the best, man. I'm telling you, they that's where that's what happens, right? You think, yeah. oh, it doesn't work for me. It's gone. What happened? You know, and then exactly like you said, like, no, it's it's just another layer of the same old thinking, it's the same old stuff, and you get to see it now in a deeper way. Love that. Yes, absolutely. Now I'm gonna tell you something that you don't know about me. I'm a uh, I'm I'm a life coach now. Mm-hmm in this system that Laura taught me and, and continues to teach me about today. I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I am in love with life. And the thing that you don't know about me is that at Christmas time, I'm a professional Santa Claus. So I take off my life. Coach. I could have guessed, but I didn't <laughs> know for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I started to, uh, and I mean, it was never a life dream to become Santa Claus, but I, I thought, okay, somebody asked me to do it, and it was some extra money on the side. And so I, I threw on a costume, bought a fake beard, bought the hair, went out and did it. I was depressed as hell during going back, you know, a, yeah. a little bit, just as I was starting Santa Claus, but it made me some extra money. And, and you know, it did feel pretty good when I was all said and done. I thought, next time somebody calls me to do that, I'm going to do it. And then gradually I grew in my beard and I loved being Santa Claus 
I, at that time of Chris, at Christmas time. And I began to have an impact on people that I was seeing. And now naturally people say to me, well, Shane, that was the kids you're talking about? No, I began to have an impact on adults where they would walk up and tell me, Santa, my dad just died. Will you talk to him and tell him I love him in heaven? And we would cry on the sidewalk or in front of the store where I was Santa Claus. There was, it was, it was the most healing because I was affecting people. And I, I knew I was making a, a great change. And so with Santa Claus and with this new way of thinking and all these great things that have come into my life, they all just fit in a beautiful way and I can be free now, symptoms alleviated. Thank you to everyone prior to this, but I've never felt what I feel today, honoring what Laura has taught me. And I'm headlong into wanting and to impact others, wanting to impact others with this information yeah. that I now know that is true and feels true, not in my head, but in my heart. Yeah. I love when you talk about the masks and the identities and all of that, that over the years, um, it was like your childhood dream was to be a police officer. And that was such, and just even down to the uniform, you know, like you said, it's such, there's such the ritual and the symbolism around that. And it was such an identity and then yes. there were other identities along the way. And yes. I just get such a feeling of, of um, freedom in all this that it's like you haven't now found the nicer, newer identity. Like Santa is a role you play and coach may be a role you play, but that's not your identity. Like your no. identity feels like it sits in a different place now. A place that, that that's, oh, that's so well put, Amy. Uh, it is sitting in a place inside of me that is in my heart it really is and for anybody who has who's listening your listeners it does it doesn't matter really what we're talking about we can apply this awareness this thinking or non-thinking i like to call it um but it, i want to emphasize because i've lived it now it doesn't mean you're going to have a bad day, but it gives you the it gives you the awareness to see that it's just thought. Yeah, your your thinking is getting in your way, and and that's huge for me. That's huge, and it should be huge for others that hear this message. Now, you may go out and have a different experience depending on where you are in your journey, and truly, truly, this has been a journey a spiritual lifelong journey that I was put on that was created by myself. Now that I see it, having to arrest that guy at first, I felt anger at him for two or three years. I felt anger when I felt better. I saw that I was intended to meet and have that altercation. That was meant to happen. Because 
my wife actually had been saying for many weeks before that event happened, you know, you've been on, you've been out there fighting crime a long time in the middle of the night. Why don't you, why don't you, you know, go in and come home now and take an office position within the law enforcement world? Yeah. I ignored it over and over and over again until this man and my wife likes to say to me, uh, this man shut the door on one dream and opened life for this dream. Yeah. This freedom that I could have never, ever, ever found where I was for me personally. I enjoyed it. I got everything I wanted out of that experience of being a policeman, of being in law enforcement. I loved the whole thing and I was, I was darn good at it, but I look at it now as a, a huge stepping stone to a spiritual experience that has been the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and I'm just 51. Yeah. I may look older with my beard. Uh, I'm just 51. My goodness. What is life? God is just store? the beginning. <laughs> yes. This is just the beginning. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm curious what you make of, um, and not to make up too much stuff just to answer this question, but if you have any thoughts or ideas about how it is that you heard something in this so quickly, you know, that after so long, 20 years of identifying with yourself as PTSD and broken and all of that, how it was now, I mean, we could all say, well, that it does happen sometimes in an instant because it's the truth and it pierces through and, you know, but uh, yeah, like, do you think there was something that had been missing before or was there something in what you heard that just, there was something that woke this up in you, but I don't know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm blabbering, but what can you kind of <laughs> glean from that to kind of say, like, how, if somebody says to you, Shane, how the heck, after so long of living in the illusion and having no clue that it was an illusion, you yeah. kind of maybe did in the shamanism stuff, you, you were on to it a bit, yeah. but how is it that you just had a few conversations with this woman and look at you now, like, how would you answer that? I would answer that just the way you, you did a minute ago. Shamanism introduced me to the concept of something outside of myself, which was bigger than what I was. Yeah. And it, when you're working in the shamanism world, you're constantly working with nature. You're constantly listening and, and for messages from the spirit world. So I, I was on board mentally. I was on board with there being another reality because in shamanism they teach that we live in several realities a very common phrase in shamanism is we have a foot in both worlds mm -hmm. the spirit world and the hard concrete world yeah. and so that's why i was drinking like water in the desert i was drinking in everything that laura was showing me yeah and and that if that answers your question, that is how I came to me so naturally. I love that because that's uh, for me too, and people who have studied so many things and therapies and spiritual stuff and everything, the principles 
bring those together so beautifully. It's a two, it's a foot in both worlds. It's like, yes, there is a whole other world behind the illusion of things. And they, they point us to what's going on with the illusion. Cause we can know there's two worlds or, or multiple worlds, right? We can know this is an illusion, but until we, until that means something to us that it sort of makes some sense, it just is like kind of cliche, you know, but it's like it, Yes, both of those worlds, we see them more clearly. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And every day when I get up now out of my bed, in past years, I didn't know who I was going to wake up to. I know now with some certainty that I'm going to wake up totally open and ready for what the day throws at me. And I, I remember being in a, we have a famous coffee chain here in Canada called Tim Hortons. And people are screaming and yelling the other day and it's pandemonium. People aren't driving close enough to the vehicle in front of them at the loudspeaker to order and everybody's getting all upset. And normally I would have been in there honking the horn and doing all of that. And I sat back in the awareness and thought, look at, just curiously look at all of this happen and unfold and know that this is all part of the part of a dream, the illusion. And this is being shown to me, all this fighting that they're having ahead of me. This is all being shown to me. Yeah. It's delaying coffee because they're fighting, but that's not the reason it was being shown to me. It was being shown to me that I had changed dramatically shifted. I had a dramatic shift. And I just had a friend write to me this morning, if I could share this with you, and call me a shapeshifter. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. A shapeshifter. And I'd heard that in shamanism. It was a very common term. She says, hello, my shapeshifter friend. And I started to tell her about the principles because she was interested. And so she's going to just start looking at them because she's seen that transformation in me, my friend over this very short period of time. Yeah, I love that. We're always shape-shifting. And yeah. sometimes we just don't have the eyes to see it. You know, when we have those labels, like this is who I am and I'm depressed and how long is it going to last and all of that, we're, we're, life is wanting to shape-shift us, but our mind is like stuck on what it expects to see, you know? So yeah. it's beautiful when people start to wake up to this and we notice how fluid our experiences and how fluid our everything in life looks. It kind of, in an odd way, it, for me, it's felt like it, it's slowed down because my mind has slowed down, but the change is also sped up. You know, yes. there's not that stuck feeling. That's right. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, here's something that, that really um, was an eye-opener for me. Now, I've been doing Santa for many years at Christmas time. Just go back on the same thing for a second. Laura, I, I actually formed a social mask from that. And with the people coming up and crying and, 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 and I mean, it's, it's, you feel like somebody. And Laura looked at me. I remember I was telling her about the social mask of Santa Claus. And she said, but you're not Santa. And, you know, she, she she just kind of ripped a bandy off. She was, yeah, but you're not the actual Santa Claus. You have to understand that. You're Shane Flanagan. And I, in an unhealthy way, 
adopted Santa as another social mask in an unhealthy way. Um, And when I was in that costume, I was him. I believed I was him. The way people were reacting, I believed I was Santa Claus. And uh, so when I was able to look past all of that, she tore that last Band-Aid off and it hurt. I, but I accepted it because I believed it needed to be said for my best healing. And now I see clearly who I really am. And I'm Shane Flanagan. And I'm a good person. <clears throat> Sorry. And I can help people with this new understanding yeah. in, in ways that I could have never thought I could. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Shane. I love this conversation so much. And it's just, I'm so excited for you. For I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this. But like you said, and this is true for all of us, this is just the beginning. So it's so fun that this giant crack has been formed, you know, and like, yes. man, I just can't wait to see how it keeps opening up. Oh, I, I you know, something I, I so appreciate you. I, I felt your heart when we uh, reached out to do this interview, I could feel your heart and your energy. And I knew you were the right person I should be talking to and telling about my experience. And I appreciate the opportunity that you've given me and your listeners to hear my story and to hear that it is possible when you're in the darkness that you just need to take one step and open that little curtain and there'll be a whole bunch of light there for you. Yeah. But you have to open the curtain. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Shane. My pleasure. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> and uh, we'll hopefully talk again real soon. Hey, did you know that my two flagship programs, the Little School of Big Change and the Change Coach Training Program now have self-study versions? That means you don't have to wait until the next live group starts. You can get instant access to the Little School of Big Change curriculum or to an extensive set of lessons and coaching sessions in the case of the Change Coach Home Study course and start seeing more right away. The best part, and this is awesome, is that you get to go through the self-study versions now or whenever you're ready and then also join the next live guided versions of these courses. So your investment for the self-study course goes toward the price of the live course if you choose to upgrade. It's a total win-win. You can get this content now, do whatever you want with it at your own pace, and also let me guide you and support you and lead you through it when it's time. I'd love to see you try out one of these self-study courses. You can find links to both of them in the show notes.